Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Walter, I said at the beginning that um, you are from Zimbabwe, but maybe it will help if you could just tell us a little bit of your own, your own story, because there is a kind of a, a Northern Ireland connection comes in here, a very interesting connection. So, so tell us about that and how all that came about. Okay. Um, before I answer that, that question, let me um, appreciate the gesture to be interviewed in this congregation. I thank the Lord for that. Thank you so much. Good evening. Um, I'd like to say that um, I, first, I was saved in 1987 on the 18th of April. And um, thereafter, I got engaged in church activities. I wasn't a pastor then. Then um, in 2010, I got to know about Belfast Bible College. And the lady that is sitting just there, Olive Kwibuti, a Kenyan, told me more about Belfast Bible College. Then we were working together in a paramissional context in Namibia. And uh, then the processes got on. So I secured a scholarship to study with Queen's University, but through Belfast Bible College. And the man who was responsible for that is none other, Dr. Tom Boyle, the gentleman that is sitting in the third row. And thereafter, I was assigned to work um, on my practice with um, Reverend Mark Armstrong, the gentleman that is in a brown uh, jacket in front, uh, with Lorraine Armstrong, the, the, the wife. All of them were working with me. Then um, after my, my study, so I started studying with the Queens um, on, in um, 2010 through 2012. That time I was working with John White Congregational Church in, um, in Tenet Street. And uh, upon my graduation, um, I was ordained here at John White Memorial Congregation. And uh, I was commissioned and sent by that church. I was commissioned through... Uh, SIM, and uh, the gentleman who was in charge, who is in charge and was in charge at that time, is none other than the gentleman that is sitting just in there, Mike and Shona Ewan. They are the Ireland directors for SIM. I think you know them. So, does this make sense? Does yeah, this? That it does. Yes. That yeah. you, you came from Zimbabwe to Belfast, and then they sent you back to Zimbabwe. That's right. That's, that, yeah. that's the funny part of it. <laughs> That is the funny part of it. Usually, um, missionaries are sent from their home countries to save elsewhere. That's the common understanding. But a very unfamiliar situation happened. Um, Mikey when wanted to test case my situation. So I come from Zimbabwe. But because I trained here, he sent me from an UK office to go and serve in my country, Zimbabwe. Um, isn't that a, a funny occurrence? Yeah, but funny as it was, it proved very helpful. Mm. Because mm. here am I now, you are my friends, 
and you are friends to, to the Zimbabwean people. Mm. And, I mean, Zimbabwe has been in the news a, a lot uh, uh, over recent years, and indeed very recently because of uh, Cyclone uh, Idal, which uh, wrecked <coughs> havoc in certain parts of, of the country. But maybe it just help us to tell us a little bit about Zimbabwe politically, economically, socially, and how all of these things are affecting its people. Okay. I know that is a very long story, but I'll make it very short. Um, I know that people in Africa take long time to respond and come to the last point at the last minute, but I will be precise and, and um, orderly. Well, Zimbabwe has a very long political history, um, dating as far back as 1890s. But the short of it is that we got independence in 1980. When I say independence, I mean that Zimbabwe was ruled by a, a foreign power, and then we got our independence through a very protracted armed struggle. So since 1980 up to 2017, the only and only one person who has been ruling that country is Robert Mugabe. I think most of you know about Robert Mugabe, especially as he, uh, when he, he pronounced the land acquisition thing and it caused all sorts of problems. But I'm not going to be talking about that. So 2017, um, in November, we had a political trans, uh, transformation. Mugabe was deposed and they come, came in um, Emerson Munangagwa is a difficult surname. Um, Emerson Munangagwa came in, in into power. Now, at that time, there was so much euphoria among us, the people, because then they thought that now our time to enjoy freedom has come. Now is the time to have a new dispensation. And indeed, he came with a new dispensation for the country. But um, a couple of things happened. We went through elections. Um, it was everybody's hope then that the new election were going to uh, give in a new lease of life to the opposition to be in charge of the political affairs. But unfortunately, that did not happen. Or fortunately, that did not happen. I don't know. So, um, so after elections, these were disputed because uh, the opposition felt that it was their turn. But unfortunately, that did not happen. So because it was a disputed election, uh, it, it went through the courts, and the Supreme Court, which, which is the, at, the utmost um, uh, Supreme Court of the land, ruled in favor of ZANU-PF. Now, ZANU-PF is the party that belonged to Mugabe. Um, so, for most people, it looked like it's the same thing all over, and that has caused a problem. This is the point you ought to understand now. It has polarized the population. So, we have the urban population in support of the opposition, yet also the rural folk in support of the liberation-oriented um, uh, uh, party, which is ZANU-PF, and you can understand why it is like that. So the urban population who have people that are so eager for change, 
who have young people that want employment, but employment is not there. And we have the, urban, uh, the rural population. This is where the core of uh, the funders of, uh, or the drivers of the liberation people are at the moment. And so this has polarized the country. Now, from there on now, you will see that the political shape of the country will determine how economy is, is going to be run. It will determine how the social services are going to be um, provided to the people. So beginning with the economy, you have now a situation where Zimbabwe cannot invest because people don't have confidence in it. And when I say people, I'm talking primarily to people in, in the West. Um, so there is no investment. And when that happens, you have challenges of balance of payments, um, exports on the other side, and imports. But we are not exporting anything. Though Zimbabwe is known for its richness, you talk about all the minerals. All the minerals. I can only mention one. Uh, that's uranium. We have the second, uh, no, no, platinum. We have the second largest deposits in the whole world. Uh, you talk about gold. The Zimbabwean currency, or rather the Rhodesian currency in the 60s, was actually 10 times much stronger than the British pound because it was based on the gold standard. So there is, what I'm trying to say there is there is lots and lots of gold. But all this does not make sense if we don't export anything, if we don't engage the international uh, community in, in international relations and in trade. So that has complicated the economy of the country. So you have problems to do with uh, shortage of foreign currency. And as if it, that is not enough, we have problems of fuel procurement. We have a pipeline that runs from Baira to Zimbabwe in the heart of the country, in the city. But those people can only make available fuel if you provide the foreign currency for that. In other words, we're talking about the US dollar. And what do we have? We now have inflation, um, hyperinflation. So government has its own currency that they refer to as the bond currency. This is not a, a normal currency, if I may say, but it is just there to bridge the gap for changes. Like when you do transactions and you need little changes, this is how it comes about. So you have prices of goods soaring up, the price of fuel soaring up. When I got from Zimbabwe, it was three, it was um, around two US dollars per liter. Now I hear it is somewhere in the region of about five US dollars per liter. So, so that's the problem. And when that happens, it has some effects on how people run the economy. In other words, all prices will just, will just jump up and we have a problem. So that's much as mm -hmm. I can say mm -hmm. regarding the economy. Mm -hmm. um, then also the social. Mm. Obviously, provision of services is based on how much you have in your coffers as government. And this is not obtaining. There is nothing in, in terms of money in, in, in the government. So you have um, uh, hospitals you know, charging as much as they want in foreign currency I'm talking about. And every time I speak about provision of services, social services, I will always allude to the fact that you people in the West, or rather, to be more particular, in Northern Ireland, you are so gifted. 
that government provides these services and you can access them any time. Now, you need to thank God for that. Us in Zimbabwe, we don't have that facility. You go to a doctor, first thing he asks for is consultation fee that has to be paid cash and in foreign currency, which is not readily available. So you pay something like 30, 40 US dollars for just to see the face of the doctor. And thereafter, you have bills and bills to say you need a test A, you need test B, you need test C. And these are quoted in foreign currency. So by the end of the day, you have a bill standing probably something, something between 500 or 700 US dollars. And you just resign to your fate. I mean, you can't do anything when that happens. So now I'm talking mm. about provision of social services. Mm. So you have, you have problems in a provision on, of medicines, of x-rays, of machines uh, that are just dilapidated in public um, hospitals. The same for education. I can say the same for any other public. City councils, local authorities, mm. it's just a problem. Mm. So I think this makes sense. Um, yeah. I think I'm speaking something that is understandable. This is what we have in Zimbabwe, people of yeah. God. Yeah. Um, or more, more precisely, this is what you don't have. I mean, you ha we have so much compared with what you have. Yeah, I'm talking but, about the yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm talking about the problems, but, yeah. But in the midst of that, you and others are trying to bring about the training of pastors, and this takes us into the LEARN project. So in the midst of all this political upheaval, all these economic problems, all this lack of social care, you're actually trying to engage in training pastors, equipping them, and ultimately with a view to changing the nation. All right. So tell us about the LEARN project. Okay. One thing I ought to tell you, or to, uh, you ought to know, is that Zimbabwean people are generally very Christian-like. But something is wrong in the way we do church. Some ways we do it right, some ways we don't. Learn, L-E-A-R-N, simply means Leaders Equipping and Resourcing Network. Now, this is a, a project that has been, that is being um, run or that is just about to run full blast um, by some of your own, Mark, Mark and Lorraine Armstrong, um, Geoff, uh, Geoff Donaldson and Rosalind Donaldson. These are Irish people that come from, from this country. Now, the bottom line there is that when we did research, I do theological researching myself. What, what is theological research? Briefly, it is to do with investigating the challenges, the problems of how people do church. How do people do church? What are their challenges? How can we focus on those challenges? How can we apply ourselves as missionaries or as church people or as leaders to do those things? Now, one of our, pre our very strong uh, findings when we did a baseline research was that the problem of the churches in Zimbabwe is that they have leaders that are not so much grounded in the word of God. So we have a problem of a leader who has that character who cannot 
effectively communicate Christ. So we ask the question, if this leader is not empowered, if he, if he is an untrained uh, um, uh, pastor or he has not gone to training, how can the same person communicate Christ to other people if they are going to be leaders? And this is where Len, uh, Len's principles were founded uh, with that baseline understanding. So what we are going to be doing in Len is we are going to be resourcing for pastors so that they have the resources. I have a tablet with me there. Can you just give me that tablet? Thank you. This is a simple Innova tablet. In this tablet, um, Len is, is, has put in an application, a software application, which will enable a pastor who has not accessed resources to be able to access the resource straight from here. So, in the past, we used to have books sent over to Africa or to Zimbabwe. But the cost of transporting this, the cost of um, having a container land in Zimbabwe is just unbearable. Worse for, for a country like Zimbabwe, where we have challenges like that, we won't be able to clear that stuff. So, it will be auctioned, if I may put it like that. But if we have a a tablet like this, loaded with many books, many resources, many commentaries, many study, study Bibles, then a pastor in the rural area will be able to access this information, will be able to equip himself. And the result, therefore, is if this person is resourced, he will be able to influence the people that he is leading. That, that is our vision. That's where we are going. There is a popular saying that the church in Africa is one mile wide, okay, and an inch deep. Now, we want to increase the depth. So, Len is seeking to increase horizontal, uh, horizontally and at the same time, vertically. Th that is our vision. Mm. And it's a wonderful project, and, and some of us know a little bit about it. And actually, just a sort of sidebar on that... Um, the last time I was going to Africa, which was uh, to Uganda, and we went through Dublin, and we went to the departure gate to take uh, the Ethiopian Airlines flight that was going to take us to Addis Ababa, and right. who was waiting for the same flight uh -huh. but Jeff Donaldson and his wife, oh, who right. were going at the same time. And it was amazing, because Jeff Donaldson and I actually grew up in the same church, oh, right. home church, and his father taught me in Sunday school many, many years ago. So it is a small world, and uh, it's amazing how we have the connections. So, um, Walter, thank you so much uh, for sharing that story of your own journey and also giving us a bit of an insight into the country uh, of Zimbabwe, but particularly in the LEARN project. And, I mean, Walter will be about afterwards. Anyone wants to talk to him, he'll show you how it works on the tablet. Thank you, David. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.